Hi, welcome back to Unsolved South. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm Maddie. And we have our <laughs> fourth, fourth spooky episode. I think Matlin called it our October Stravaganza or something. We're recording remotely. Too. I don't think I did. But uh, we're recording remotely again because yes, we did. had issues getting back together. So if we're a little uh, funky sounding, that's why again. Although some of the episodes are really good when we record separately and some not so much. But we'll see how it goes, right? Yeah, it's always a toss up. I know. For how was sure. your week? My week was good. Um, we went to two weddings this weekend, and then we celebrated Zane's 15th birthday at your house. That was exciting, and the cake was delicious. Yeah, I was iffy on the cake, but it was fun, and I had got to keep your bad baby while you were at all your weddings this weekend. Yeah. And my bad baby But you enjoyed 15. his company. I did. He's so sweet. <laughs> He's a little mess. Okay, so we he have is. to get started because we have five states to get to. Because in our last episode, we were supposed to get to four, and we only got to two. So we have to get started. Dang. So we can roll through these. All right, let's and get then, started. Um, I guess any that we don't get to, we'll have to roll into the Halloween episode, so. Or we may be doing Spooky November, too. I don't know. <laughs> we're having an issue I'm with down. <laughs> All right. So, we're going to start in Alabama. Alabama is, they had two kind of short ones, but they're interesting. So, we're just going to roll through okay. them real quick. I want to make a football joke, but yeah, I don't want to anybody's Alabama fans. I don't want to hurt their little feelings. So we're just going to roll through these stories and go on about our lives. <laughs> okay. So in the town of Abbeville, Abbey, ooh, I got the mush mouth today. In the town of Abbeville, <laughs> Alabama, there is a legend of a seven foot tall, large woman dressed in all black with a large brimmed hat her hat is about as big around as a cotton bale it said um when they said this like i don't know if like back in the day cotton bales used to be smaller but um cotton bales now are like maybe they meant the square bales but that's still like two three foot that's huge. But I yeah. pictured them giant I mean, I guess bales. I can see a two or three foot hat. I pictured yeah. them. Well, she's big. She's gigantic. So, um, I pictured them giant round bales, like the ones that Billy told Zane were giant marshmallows. Yeah. So, that tripped me out, the thought of that, like, on her head. <laughs> so, anyway, here she is in all her black. And she's got this gigantic big hat. And she's big. And she roams the streets after dark. And she appears to little children. And when she sees them, she goes up to them. And she squeezes them really tight, like in a hug. And then she leans in. Yeah. And screams in their ear. What? 
she leaves them scared, but they're otherwise unharmed. But there's a ringing in their ears because she gets like right in there like she's going to tell them a secret. And then she's just like, ah, and screams in their ear. And they call her yeah. Hugging Molly. Hugging Molly. Yeah, that's what she's called. And she's a fairly famous ghost in Alabama, I believe, because they even have a restaurant named after her. It's Hugging Molly's, and it's got like a 50s theme to it. And then they've got like shout outs to Molly on the menu. So um, it's supposed to be a good restaurant. Like it had good reviews when I looked at it. When I was researching the story, the restaurant kept coming up. So it's a little uh, annoying. But um, the food looked really good though. Nobody really knows who she is, but it's speculated that she's the ghost of a woman who lost her child and she just wants a hug. But I don't know why she's yelling in their ears like that. So nobody really knows who she is or where she come out for. But um, if you're a little kid out in the streets of Abbeville after dark, you need to wear your earplugs, I reckon. <laughs> And if you see a giant woman in black with a gigantic black hat approaching you, probably just don't go hug her. That seems weird. Okay, we're moving on to Oxford, Alabama. At some point in the 50s, a young couple's car drove off the bridge and into the water below, and they were both killed. According to legend, if you stop on the bridge and then turn off your lights, one of two things will happen. Either a member of the couple will appear inside your car, leaving a wet spot on your seat when they leave. I'm going to need if them you to look, not. If you look behind you, over your shoulder, the road behind you will look like the fiery gates of hell. What? I know. I was like, did they go to hell? What were they doing? Why are they Why? going to hell? Why are they dragging you to hell? And why are you ruining my car's upholstery for no reason? Right? This is one I won't be doing, but uh, I'm not I'm not a fan of people being wet in my car, so. Mm -mm. But if you do it, let Me us neither. know how that works. They put barriers in place to prevent another tragedy um, from taking place. People driving off the bridge, and the bridge is like in a little bit of disrepair now. And people kept trying to drive across it, even though it's, like, dilapidated and pieces are falling off. So, they felt what? like eventually somebody was going to fall off the bridge again, or I guess it would collapse under the weight of a car. So, they put up <clears throat> concrete barriers to keep you from driving onto the bridge. But people still walk across it. They still don't recommend that because the bridge is in bad shape. But, um, and I don't know how that works if you walk across, like maybe you carry a little, like your, <laughs> you pop your uh, rear view mirror out of your car and carry it up there and look in it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe uh, one of the couple appears in your pants. It looks like you wet your pants. I don't know how that works if you walk across, but that is the story of Hellscape Bridge. You know, I have a reoccurring dream about a bridge that's dilapidated that we drive really? across. Is it a yeah. bridge you recognize? So you, um, I don't think I've ever seen it in real life. Um, 
but it's so like realistic in the dream that it seems like it's real. So you get off the interstate and you go down this road and then it hits this bridge and the bridge is almost underwater. So like you can see it, but you can't really see it. Like it's like a couple inches under the water. So you're driving like through the water and then like midway, it's like not there anymore. And so do you it's run crazy. off into the water or do you just keep going? I think I wake up. I think I wake up. Oh, um, I have a recurring dream. Remind me if we have time at the end of this episode, because I have a really wild story about a recurring dream. But, um, you know, about the house. Yeah, about the house. But you know that oh, the house um, that Adam dreams about and I dream about. I didn't know you dream about it, but yes. Yes, remember? Yes, the house. I said, um, there was an attic in that house, and that's where my dream is. Well, we'll talk about it at the end if we got time. I, I saw a video. A while, I have it like a couple times a year, but um, in any case, I saw a video of a a bridge, kind of like what you're talking about, but the bridge was floating, and so when you drove across mm -hmm. it, it like sank a little bit. And then it would get a little yeah. bit underwater. It was crazy. I was like, I would not be able to drive across that bridge. I'd have so much panic. Okay, so creepy. we need to move on because we are pressed for time. And these next stories are a little Let's bit longer. Okay, so we're going to Texas next. And um, I'm 100% positive I am going to mispronounce this name. I looked it up, but... Um, the pronunciation guide was pretty much the way I felt like I was saying it, but y'all know how I am. So just pretend I'm saying it right if you know the right way to say it. Or if you don't, if you don't know the right way to say it, you shouldn't be saying I'm saying it wrong. So, <laughs> okay. Right. But anyway, the Lechuza is a danger you might encounter near the Texas-Mexico border. Legend has it. She was a witch whose white magic scared the townspeople, so they killed her. Uh, side note, am I the only one that thinks it's weird that the go-to was always murder for these townspeople? Like, oh, I'm scared of them. Murder! <laughs> I mean, like, there was <laughs> right? not another like, really? way to handle it. Like, listen, we need to have a community meeting in which we invite this witch in to explain herself so, like, we can moderate a uh, compromise on how we can handle this going forward. They're I like, didn't know where you were going with the M word. I didn't either at first. Uh, no, they're like murder. Well, I mean, she scares us, so we have to kill her. I mean, that's the only thing we can do. Can't have a conversation. Got to go up there and murder. Anyhow, so back to the story. She came back after they murdered her, thanks to a deal with the devil. As a woman, who can transform herself into a giant owl? She's owl? sometimes an owl. She sometimes imitates what? the sounds of a baby crying to lure humans so she can grab them and take them to her nest where she devours them. Sometimes she'll just swoop down and snatch some unfortunate soul and just fly away with them. And they're never seen again. 
There have even been stories where she chases and keeps pace with cars. So, um, she's really good at being an owl. (laughs) Yeah, she is. She missed her calling. Yeah, exactly. Also in Texas, we have the story of Clara Crane. She was born in 1871, and she led a quiet life until she married an older gentleman named Leonard. He was an okay guy, but he constantly had a flask on him, which always seemed to somehow be full, despite the fact that he was always drinking it. They had a daughter together, and she was the most important person in Clara's life. When the child was five, she went with her father while he worked in the fields, and it's not clear exactly what happened, but there was some sort of farming accident, and the small child lost her life. Her father was drunk when it happened, so Clara blamed him. She thought if he'd not been drinking, she would still have her baby. And her resentment grew to hatred, and she devised a plan. Leonard loved caramel. So she took and injected some with arsenic, and then she placed them in the candy bowl. She smiled to herself as he writhed around in pain on the floor. She waited until he was dead before sending him for the police. Her state when they arrived led them to forego jail in lieu of a mental hospital, where she stayed for four years. She was released with the doctors believing that she wasn't a danger to anyone else because she just had this hatred and blame for Leonard. So she wasn't after anybody else, just him. So the doctors are like, okay, she's a little off, but she's not really a danger to anybody. She's just you know, a grieving mother that lost her mind. So soon after she was released, children in the nearby town began to go missing. And during the investigation, they became aware that children all over town were finding candy on their windowsills. Some had notes on the wrappers saying, come out and play, signed the candy lady. Many just ate the candy and they didn't tell their parents because they thought their parents would um stop the lady from leaving them candy and so they were like score there's candy in my window and so they didn't tell their parents because they were like i don't lose out on my candy stash so most of these kids are just up here eating this candy the stranger so the candy's not poison so the candy's not poison Well, most of the kids didn't die, but it has a note on it that says, some of it has a note on it that says, come out and play with me. And so when these kids come out, they disappear. So that, no, nobody's just like dying exactly. Like, not like they're not finding dead kids in their bed. Their kids are just missing. You got me? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay, so... Suspicion was never far from Clara, but there was no evidence that really pointed to her. But she's the crazy lady in town, and she did poison her husband with candy, so people are automatically suspicious. 
a deputy started telling people that he was a close to a break in the case that he knew who it was and um in true horror fashion he did not tell anybody who he thought it was or what his plan was or any of the information or evidence he had so guess what happens he goes missing nobody has he a does. clue where oh he goes missing nobody has a clue where he is or where to start looking for him because he didn't tell anybody it's like in the movies where they're like meet me i have to tell you something and then they get killed before they get there and you never know what they were gonna tell you so that's what this yeah. guy did because it's back in the day so apparently they that wasn't a thing in movies yet so after an extensive search they found his body in a ditch he had forks stabbed into his eyes and around the same time an assortment of teeth found wrapped in candy wrappers was strewn around a farmer's what? field and so um and this was about the same time they found the the deputy dead with the forks in his eyes which is like a horrific way to die that's like that's some horror movie stuff right there yeah i don't know why they ain't made this into a movie or maybe they did and i just missed it somehow um they put pressure on the the locals to on the police to really step up their game in this case and now that one of their own was dead they really like kicked it into high gear with their investigations and i don't know if they got close or what happened but all of a sudden the disappearances stopped but to this day kids are told that if they ever find candy on their window seals they need to tell an adult immediately that seems like good advice oh wow no matter what state you're in or what is going on it really feels like good advice that if you find um rando candy on your windowsill don't eat that just go on and get rid of it but definitely tell an adult right all right so we're gonna move right on into oklahoma because the stories were yeah connected ish so in oklahoma imagine this you're at lake thunderbird you're splashing around swimming playing with your friends and you feel something brush your leg your heart stops for a moment but then you remember this isn't the ocean it's the lake there's nothing dangerous in the lake right other than snakes but (laughs) it wouldn't be a snake right it wouldn't be a snake underwater like no you're you're safe you're fine Before you can finish your thought, you feel something spiral around your leg. Oh no, maybe it is a snake. You start kicking really hard. You're hoping to dislodge it or scare it away. But the opposite happens. It gets tighter. It gets impossibly tight. Painfully tight. You're confused. You forget to make a noise, and when it pulls you under down to the depths of the lake, your friends don't even realize anything's wrong at first. They think you're playing, swimming under to wet your hair, or to jokingly tug on someone else's leg. 
By the time the panic sets in for them, it's already too late for you. Or maybe it was too late from the time you felt that first brush against your leg. After all, no one came to this lake prepared to fight off a giant octopus. What? It is said. I thought it was going somewhere else. A giant octopus? A giant octopus. It's said that there is an octopus in this lake that is the size of a horse. It's reddish brown in color, the perfect camouflage against the lake's dark water. But is it real? Or are they real, I should say, because Lake Thunderbird is not the only lake in Oklahoma said to house these monsters with a taste for human flesh. Probably, it's just a story made up for tourists. Probably. Um, not exactly, though, because the Native Americans have been telling these stories about these monsters for over 200 years. Octopuses or octopi are really smart. I don't know if you've ever heard stories about them, but they're really smart. Yeah, they are. And they're adaptable. They are. So it's, I don't know, it may be possible. Who knows? But 200 years is a long time for these stories to be out there. And there are some recent stories about. And there are some recent stories about people seeing them and um, are seeing them come up or splash. So who knows? I mean, it could be true. Another Native American legend from Oklahoma probably is going to sound a little bit familiar. The Stickini are groups of witches that look human during the day. But at night, they go deep into the woods, they vomit up all their internal organs, and they transform into owls. So we have another owl witch. What? Just like in Texas. These just get there a little differently. The one in Texas had her stuff together, apparently, because that feels like just transforming feels like a lot better than having to vomit up all your internal organs. That seems rough. The owls hunt for unsuspecting humans whose heart they can eat. Before sunrise, they have to go back into the woods, though, and swallow all their own organs and then transform back into humans. Wow. Yes, so that's kind of a crazy story, and it's weird that um, Oklahoma and Texas would kind of have two different versions of the same story. Right? Yeah, and one of them's Native American and the other one's just passed down. But, you know, both of them are people that turn into owls, which is interesting. Do you think you give more credence to, like, Native American tales? Like, um, you know, when something goes back and it's traced back to Native Americans have been telling the story for, like, in the case of the octopus uh, two hundred years they've been telling this story. So does that make it more believable? Yeah. My thing is, you know, they didn't have internet and stuff, and I know they would have the story circles and all of that to spread the stories. But the fact that so many different tribes had very similar stories or the same stories 
makes it harder to discount, in my opinion. Makes it harder what? To discount. You broke up You know, like, now I can start a story and I can say, oh, you know, there's a, I don't know, a giant eel. Urban legend. That that lives in Clark's Hill. And it gets on the internet and then people start spreading it. And then it can be a widespread story. But when all you had was word of mouth and then you had to make people believe it enough to continue to spread it, I don't know. It makes it feel like it's maybe a little more believable that somebody had to have seen something. Like more than one person had to see something, right? Yeah. I don't know. That might just be me, but. I just find that whenever it's traced back to an Indian legend, I feel like it has some grain of fact in it, and it's easier to believe. Yeah, I agree. All right. So, rolling on through, we may get through this, because we just got two states left. Heck yeah. All right. Kentucky. We're going on into Kentucky. Kentucky was a little bit different, because they have a lot of well-known stories, like the Goat Man or the Popelick Monster. The one who lures people to their death on the railroad trestle. Um, yeah. But they've got the Kentucky Goblins, which is uh, also pretty well known. It's one of the most documented cases of UFO or possibly owl, depending on who you believe encounter. I don't know if you're familiar with that story, but um, a family at their farm was... Uh, they say attacked by um, aliens and that they were like under attack all night and they were super frazzled, super upset. They like shot at it and all of this. And then authorities were like, no, it wasn't aliens. It was owls. It was large owls. And you got confused and that's what you were fighting. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. So... You know, that's another case of trust your government or don't. I'm, you know, I don't know. So, depending on who you believe, it might have been owls or it might have been a UFO. My only thing with it being owls is that this was a farm family. And I have a hard time believing that they never encountered an owl. <laughs> so. Yeah, I just don't I know don't, what an owl is. It's a big, um. It's a big story. It's a well-known story, and at some point we may go into further detail. But because it's so well documented, it's not the one I wanted to cover today. What we're going to okay. talk about instead is the Witch Girl of Pilot's Knob. Ooh. And again, this is a story of a a person, but this one was a child who was murdered by the townsfolk because they believed her to be a witch. And like we discussed, yeah, you can't just have a conversation and be like, you know, listen, we feel like you're a witch and it's it's scaring us a little bit. Can you just tone it down? And she might have been like, yeah, cool, I will. But no, we went straight to murder because that's the way we were back in the day, I reckon. But murdering her was not enough. They placed an iron fence around her grave because they thought her ghost was going to come back and seek revenge. I hope she did. Just a little piece Well, if uh, you're a Supernatural fan, you know that ghost and iron do not mix. (laughs) Um, So they put 
this iron up and supposedly now when you go at night her ghost is trapped in that urn so i guess it was gonna come to revenge them and and these are good stories all the ones i've talked about they're real good stories but in my research um what stood out about kentucky was the number of creepy dangerous and haunted roads that they have if you have creepy any personal stories Okay, so we've moved on from the witch girl of Pilot's Knob, and now we're talking about all the creepy, dangerous roads that are in Kentucky, and there was a ton of them. Like, there's a whole list of haunted roads in Kentucky, and I'm like, listen, I love to drive, and I love back roads, so I'm here for this. And if anybody has any personal stories of the roads in Kentucky, I am all about hearing it. But we have... We're going to talk about some of them because this was where the real story was out at. There is Man of War Boulevard, and it's named after the racehorse. And people on this boulevard report strange lights and missing time. Like, they're driving along, and all of a sudden, they're somewhere else hours later, and they have no memory of how they got there. What? I've heard that story before, I think. Well, it's said to happen a lot on this particular road. And then we have Hal Rogers Parkway, which also has unexplained lights. And along with those lights, it has a thick, dangerous fog that just rolls in without any warning. In September of 2016, a woman... Oh, no. Hold up. Uh, I didn't use punctuation when I wrote my story for some reason on this sentence. <laughs> and I need to redo that because it has this thick, dangerous fog that rolls in. It causes accidents. It's like pea soup fog you cannot see through it right and that's creepy right but this is where the story goes uh this is what is legit creepy in september of 2016 a woman named jamie hill witnessed something that was like out of the ordinary creepy this is like my nightmare yeah she's driving along and there in the dark at the edge of the road stands a clown she snapped a picture of it and she figured nobody was gonna believe her because you know pics or it didn't happen so she's driving by and she like whips out her camera and snaps a pic of it and it's online you can look it up and he's creepy as hell She posts this picture to Facebook and learns that she is not the only one that has seen this clown standing still. He's standing dead still next to the road. And a bunch of people have seen him. So he's not just there for like a minute or whatever. Like he's dedicating time to just standing on the edge of the road, dead still, staring at traffic. Right. Listen, that's mentally unstable at best. Right. At worst. You remember when all those people were seeing the clowns? Right. And, and then nothing and this ever happened. Was in, this was in that time frame, I believe. Because it yeah. was 2016. That feels about right. Because it was before COVID. So he's right. just sitting there and he's menacing drivers. And um, it's creepy as hell. 
I don't like it. So I definitely won't be driving down Hal Rogers Parkway. I don't like clowns. They're really creepy, and I'm positive that they eat people. Right. Uh, me too. Just think about it, because if you were going to be a psycho murderer, a clown would be the perfect way to do it, because nobody can see your face. Yeah. Anyway, that's super creepy, and I don't like it. Another story, this one from Mitchell Hill Road, or Hot Rod Haven, as it was nicknamed in the 50s, is a story of a young couple speeding to a dance. They wrecked, and either both or just the girl was killed. But, because the story's out there that both of them were killed, but um, the girl's the only one that's spotted. And people see her walking down the road looking like she's searching for something. It could be something she lost in the accident or her boyfriend, or maybe she's looking for her way home. On Cane Creek Road, a new bride learned the hard way that she had made a mistake in picking the man she married. Her husband, of just a few short hours, was very drunk, and he was weaving all over the road. She suggested that he pull over and maybe let her drive. This enraged the drunk man, who began punching her. He beat her to death right there on the side of that road, and in an effort to hide what he had done, he tossed her body into the creek below. Now her ghost, full of rage, will chase any man that dares to drive down Cane Creek Road after midnight. (laughs) We also have Narrows Road, where people report being pulled over by a police officer. He comes up to the window, asks you where you're headed, I'm sure. Um, Probably, as a true southern cop fashion he says sit tight for me and pat your roof (laughs) and then he walks back towards his own car (laughs) but he disappears halfway there and when you glance away to undo your seatbelt or give a worried look to your companion you realize he's gone and you didn't hear or see him drive away so you probably sit there for a minute (laughs) You're like, what do I do now? Maybe you get out and you look and you don't see any tire prints behind you. Some people believe he's the ghost of an officer that was killed during a traffic stop in that area many years before. But local authorities say there's no record of such an incident on that road. So nobody really knows who he is or why he's there. But there are many accounts of him just randomly pulling people over. The last story I will tell is certainly not the last story that there is to tell because there were a ton of haunted roads in Kentucky, like a ton. I just narrowed them down to these. Yeah. This is the story of Sleepy Hollow Road, but there's no horsemen involved. That sounds familiar. No horsemen involved, so we're good. What is involved is tales of people turning onto the road only to not emerge until hours later. And they have no memory of where they were the entire time. What? So that's another one with lost time. And that kind of goes back to the um, story I was talking about, about the farm that got attacked by the alien owls. Because, you know, a a common narrative with UFO sightings is that people have lost time. 
that, you know, they're somewhere and then they don't remember anything and all of a sudden it's hours later and they're somewhere else or they're back in the last place they remember being, but it's hours later. So I thought that was interesting that so many of these roads had lost time and also that whole really highly publicized owl encounter had happened. But Are these roads relatively close to each other? No, not necessarily, no. Okay. I was just curious. Um, and, But there are a ton of roads. Like, there are a lot of haunted roads in Kentucky. I really just narrowed it down to a handful of stories. But there were so many more stories I could have told. But also on Sleepy Hollow Road is another ghost story. So it's not just the people that turn onto the road and then they just wake up hours later and they're like, what happened? This is a whole different thing. Yeah. And and it's kind of, in my opinion, it's a better story. I like it. Okay, so missing time might not seem so bad when you hear the alternative. You're driving down the road and all of a sudden a hearse appears from nowhere speeding up behind you. You think it's simply going to pass you, or at least you hope it will, but instead, it veers toward your car trying to force you off the road. And that isn't the worst story to come from this road. Years ago, when times were hard in the rural south, and um, I guess it was hard everywhere, but I know that this happened probably too often in the south, where people couldn't couldn't feed their kids so they would get rid of them and um a lot of them took them to orphanages or tried to adopt them out or whatever but um this is a different story there was no place to leave their kids nobody could adopt them times were extremely hard in this area they were extremely hard hit and not being able to feed the kids some of these people made choices. There's not a good way to say it. So they just took their weak, sick, or just unwanted kids. And they threw them off the bridge into the river. What? They're like, you know, I can't afford to feed these kids. I, there's nobody to give them to. I can't do anything with them. There's no agency to leave them with. And so they would take them and just toss them off the bridge. So, it said that on certain nights, when there's a full moon, if you go down Mm. this road and go sit on the bridge, you can hear babies crying. You can hear the cries of dozens of betrayed children. But I don't know why you would want to do that. No. I don't want to do that. No. We're going to brighten it up a little with South Carolina. Yay! Okay. Well, we're not really going to brighten it up because it's still about death and doom, but uh, it's not about little babies. All right, you ready? Have you ever been to Edisto mm-hmm. Island? Yes. Yeah. I've never been, but I hear it's beautiful. But this story comes out of Edisto Island. Ah. So maybe you'll be familiar with it. All right. In yeah. 18, in 1822, 22-year-old Julia Laguerre was on a visit with family members near Edisto Island. While she was on this visit, she came down with diphtheria and slipped into a coma. Her family members sat by her bedside, 
constantly wanting her to see a familiar face when she woke up. But her waking up to see relieved and familiar faces was not in the cards. The doctors declared young Julia dead. Her family was absolutely devastated. They lovingly prepared her for the funeral, and then she was laid to rest in the family's mausoleum on Edisto Island. They closed the heavy stone door behind them and left in mourning. A few years later, the family was once again struck by tragedy. And when the time came for them to put that body in the crypt, they opened up the door and found Julia's bones piled up in front of the door with scraps of her burial dress just crumpled at the base of the door. She had been buried alive. They thought she (gasps) was in a coma, but she was not. And so they put her in this crypt and sealed the door, and she woke up and could not get out. I thought you said you were going to brighten it up. No, I, I took that back. I said it wasn't. A, I said, no, we're still talking about death and destruction. So I'm, <laughs> I lied. <laughs> the last story is a little brighter. Oh my God. No, this one's pretty terrible. Okay. I lied. I said that in the beginning, though. I was like, oh, wait, now that I'm thinking about it, that was a lie. <laughs> Sorry about that. The family was absolutely horrified. Could you imagine? It's not bad enough that you lost this other person just a couple years later, but then you're like, oh no, we murdered Julia. Oh, that's that's terrible. So the family's absolutely horrified and but they have no choice. They just re-enter her, re-enter her with the current dead relative, and then they once again secure the heavy door. Some of the family members just could not get past it. They were racked with guilt. And so they came back to the cemetery to sit by the crypt and cry and pray. When they, yeah. when they got there, they found that the heavy door was open. And so they thought um, maybe it was some kind of mistake. Maybe they had just thought they they secured it. And so this time they made sure that they shut the heavy door, they secured it tight, and they left. A few weeks later, a clergyman was um, making rounds, and he noticed that the door was open. And so he, you know, thought it had mistakenly been left open somehow. And so he goes and secures the door also this continues where every time somebody shows up at the cemetery this door is open and this is a heavy stone door it's open and so whoever saw it they would secure it and then the next time somebody came it would be open again so the family just opted to remove the door from the mausoleum so that they could ease Julia's restless spirit so she wouldn't feel like she was trapped anymore. So if you go there now, the door is off of the mausoleum. Hmm, interesting. Okay, so this one is going to be kind of brighter. Our third co-host is making an appearance. Little baby Kate is on the show now. Gotta give him his uh, introduction. <laughs> Alright, so this is my last story um, until I get to Georgia on the next episode. And this one's a little lighter. This one's not 
I mean, it does have some death, but you can't have a ghost story without death. Right. But this one's lighter. This one's better. I don't know. I mean, I guess it could have been a creature, but I didn't want to do the lizard man, even though I wanted to do the lizard man. But everybody knows the lizard man. I feel like that's really popular. Yeah. But I grew up hearing stories about the lizard man in South Carolina, and I was thoroughly creeped out by him. Okay, so anyway, yeah, moving I on. I want to hear Well, there's not, like, a ton to tell. Um, there was this couple, and they were, like, driving down the road. My guess is they weren't driving down the road. My guess is they were parking and necking. All of a sudden, this, like, six-foot-tall lizard on two legs comes out of the woods and attacks their car and they drive off and he like scratches down their car and supposedly ripped the metal i've seen pictures but i don't know if they're real where his claws like dug into the metal and really like ripped the metal open man when i was a kid i was scared to death oh wow and if we and my grandparents had a pond like right directly behind their house and we would have to walk past yeah. their house to get to our house from my aunt and uncle's. And um, it was through, like, this little patch of woods. Like, just a bunch of pine trees. It wasn't like it was thick. Man, we'd be scared to death. <laughs> or if we had to leave my grandparents' house and go home, we would be scared to death. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we thought the lizard man was going to come <laughs> get us. Man, there's many a time we had hit that house without a breath, just running as fast as we could so he couldn't get us. In any case, <laughs> so the last story I researched in South Carolina is from Folly Island, which is one of the um, islands near Charleston. If you're in South Carolina mm-hmm. and you're feeling adventurous, you could look for the Folly Island Buried Treasure. Which I did not, I had never heard of, so I assume this is not like a super well-known story, because I had not ever heard of it, and I spent a ton of time in South Carolina. I haven't heard of it either. When the Civil War started, there were soldiers sent to clear everybody off of Folly Island and all the other islands, but we're just talking about that one. When one young soldier was helping an elderly black woman and her grandson move, or he was trying to get her to move, she refused to leave. She had lived in this old shack for as long as she could remember, and she had seen so many things happen, and she just wasn't interested in leaving. This had been her home for her entire life, and she was going to end her life in this house. So, she tells him about all the things that she's seen in her lifetime happen on this island. One of the stories that she tells really catches this young man's attention. She tells him that she had once witnessed pirates come ashore, and they had six chests full of treasure and jewels. She told him how they had dug a large hole, between two trees and had carefully placed the boxes in that hole. Once the bounty was all in place, the captain pulled out his knife and stabbed one of his crew deep in the heart and then shoved him into the hole on top of the treasure. The rest of the crew then buried their cohort and all the jewels. 
The soldier just wanted to clarify that he knew exactly which two trees she was talking about. And he asked, and she told him, but she said, listen, you better leave that treasure alone because it's guarded by a pirate, whether he's dead or not. Being young and full of hope and being invincible, the young soldier came back with a friend. They didn't believe in ghosts, but they did believe in treasure. So they brought some shovels and under the cover of darkness, they decided they were going to dig up these chests. They located the trees and they started to dig. And as soon as the first shovel hit the dirt, the wind began to kick up. And the more they dug, the more you could see a storm in the distance across the water coming closer. The deeper they dug, the harder the wind blew and the closer the storm got until the wind was howling and the storm raged right on top of them. They continued digging in the lightning flashes, but they began to see a figure off on the beach. With each flash, the figure was closer until it was standing just past the two trees that marked the treasure. At this point, both the men stopped digging to watch this figure approaching. They were standing there, shovel in hand, with this figure right at the edge of the trees. In the lightning, when it flashed one more time, it lit the sky and they realized that they were looking at a pirate. He stood there, sword raised, arm in the air, like he was gonna cut them. And what do you do? They dropped their shovels and ran. I don't know what else they could have done. They did not tell anybody about the experience, though. They thought at some point they may go back, but they never got the courage to do that. So they never returned, and they never told anybody else about the treasure. And to their knowledge, other than the pirates who had left it and the old lady that had told the story, no one else knew about the treasure, so it's supposedly still there. And if you're brave enough, and if you think you could sword fight a pirate, you could go dig it up. That's crazy. I'm brave enough. Let's go. What if you started digging and it started, like, getting super windy, and then, um... And then all of a sudden, then we call like, it quits. All of a sudden, there's like a storm, and it's like, man, that's crazy. No, I don't know if I am. <laughs> but that one was a little brighter, right? Yeah, I like that one a lot. All right, so let me tell you a story. Listen, you got to okay. control this baby because he's distracting you, and you're distracting me. I Get under needed. control, co-host. Are you ready? I had a uh, something kind of spooky happen today. Yeah, tell me. Um, so I'm okay. still working on the episode from Georgia, the special Halloween episode. That's the story I've been wanting to do from the beginning, and it's shaping up good. Yeah. Just by the way, so I'm working on it, and um, I'm at the desk, and I reach down and I open the bottom drawer, I pull out a notebook, I use it, I put it back, I shut the desk drawer, and I'm working, and I'm like, oh, I need to put something else in this notebook, so I reach in to open the door, and the drawer is locked, and I'm like, 
how is Why? this drawer locked? Because it doesn't have like a key um, hole. And I bought the desk secondhand. And so yeah. I'm like, I didn't get a key. And it doesn't have a keyhole in the drawer. But I start feeling because I'm like, um, you know, maybe there's one on the side I didn't notice. There's not. And so I um, think, well, I'll open the drawer above it. And then I'll just reach my hand in there and kind of open it up, right? But that one is locked also. And so I start pulling on all the drawers and they're locked. Every drawer except for that center top drawer with the pins. Every drawer on both sides is locked. And I'm like, oh shit. Because I've got like everything in this desk. Like so much of my stuff is in this desk. And so I'm like snatching on the drawer. I'm feeling around. I'm like, is there like some kind of secret button or something? They are all locked. So I'm like almost ready to panic. And I'm like, okay, calm down. I reach down and I pull it and the drawer rolls right open. No issue. And all of them are unlocked on both sides. And so I looked and um, there's not a locking mechanism on the drawer that I can find. Unless it's in the rail. But on the drawer itself, there's no locking mechanism. I cannot find a button. I do, I cannot recreate it. Like I tried to shut it again and open it. I tried to wiggle it back and forth when I shut it to try to recreate it locking. I cannot get it to recreate and I cannot figure out what happened. So I was like, well, that was some great fun in this right before Halloween day. Uh, So that's where I was with that. Talking to Halloween. Um, So, we were talking about that dream earlier. So, I did not know that you had the dream. but So, I'm going to tell the story from what I knew. And Well, I mean, I didn't remember. I got a lot going on. And then, you can um, come back in and tell your part of the story. Because this is the part I know. So, when, ever since I was a kid, I've always dreamed of a house and I don't know if it's always the same house because it feels like I'm in different rooms but they're all built like around the same era era and so um I feel like it's possible that it is the same house and I've just been in different rooms and the dreams most of the time nothing really happens i'm just in the house um sometimes i dream that i'm selling the house like that we're moving out or whatever i don't know whose house it is it's not a house i've ever been in it's a beautiful house but and i remember like details of it and stuff um of the certain rooms like in one of the bedrooms it was huge like you had to walk up three steps and the bed was up on like this platform that was up like three steps and so it was an interesting house and i remember it having a lot of fireplaces and stuff like that the only dream where something really happened in the house was we went we were in the house and and i say we because there is somebody there with me but i don't know who it is i never see them i just know they're there 
and the stuff that's happening like it's a conversation but it's not like I don't know who I'm talking to and it doesn't feel like I'm actually speaking it just feels like I know this so I don't know if that makes sense but it's like it's just in my head in any case there is this doorway and it like there's a closet and opposite the closet through like this very small walkthrough area I hate to call it a hall because it really had no walls it was just a door on one side and a door on the other side but on this other side of the door there were steps and so the door was at the foot of the steps and we walked up the steps and it's the only time other than the bed that um there's been any furniture in this house and so we walked up the steps and it was decorated like a victorian kids room like a little girl's room it had a canopy bed there were like um doll houses and old-timey dolls and stuff and we looked around and it felt so uneasy in there and i heard a voice say we have to get out of here she'll be back soon and we started down the steps and i felt so uneasy i was so just like i don't know i felt creeped out but nothing happened just that voice was like we gotta leave she'll be back soon and i to this day i can see this room in my mind i mean it was just like fully furnished like all the stuff was there and the entire rest of the house is empty and so we start down the stairs and then i woke up and i woke up like in a panic and it's the only time i've dreamed about that room and the only time i've really felt scared in this house so i've always had this dream of this house my brother adam has always had a dream of a house ever since we were kids but he is outside the house and i've never been outside the house i've always been inside the house and in his house he's never been inside he's only been on the outside of the house and so but his is always the same house because he's on the outside so he can see every angle of the house he's sometimes on different sides of the house but it's always the same house for him now we do not know if his house is my house like i'm inside it and he's outside it and it's the same house we don't know but in his dreams nothing ever happens but he just always feels super uneasy and he's creeped out by the house but nothing ever really happens he's just at this house right so years ago this is like real life like waking life um i get a phone call and he's like hey do you remember the house from my dream and i'm like yeah and he says i found it and i'm like what do you mean and he's he was out with his friends hog hunting and they had gone to a place that they do not normally go and somebody new was with them and he was like hey i got a good track we can go hunt let's go this way and so he was just you know like along for the ride they followed in several trucks or whatever and while they were out someplace he's never been they turned and stopped and sitting right there on the corner was the house he has seen in his dreams his whole life 
The only difference was that in his dream, it sat positioned differently to the road. And in real, in real life, when he found it, it was turned. So it sat differently in position to the road. But that was the only thing that was different. And he was like, what is this house? And they're like, oh, um, it's just a house that the farmer owns it. And, you know, he just plants around it and he just didn't tear it down. And so he's like, um, I've dreamed about this house my entire life. And so his wife at the time is like, uh, let's go in. And he's like, absolutely not. And so he refused to even go investigate it. So me, I'm like... Such a weenie. I would have gone in. No, he was like, absolutely not. Because he's like, it always gives him an uneasy feeling. But he was completely freaked out about finding the house, which is wild. But he was so freaked out, he wouldn't go. And I was like, uh, listen, do you know where it is? He's like, yeah, I think I can find it again. And I'm like, um... Well, we need to go because I want to know if it's on the inside the house I've been dreaming about. And he was like, all right, we'll do that. And then we've not ever gone. And so, like, I would be like, let's go. And he like, okay, we will. (laughs) But we did not. And so I don't know if his house is my house, but I was like, how wild would that be but he said it was the same down to even like the furniture that was in his dream like the chairs and stuff that were sitting on the porches was there so it was the exact same house it was just positioned differently to the road but he was so creeped out he was like no i'm not going in and let's leave and they were like come on let's just go look and he was like no absolutely not so they just left so it's a wild story, but to this in. day, I would have too. I so would have gone. I'd have gone so hard. But if I'd have opened the door and seen the attic stairs right there, I don't know if I'd have gone up that mm. attic because it it really made me uneasy. I don't know why. And what if you got so up my there? dream was? Oh, go ahead. I'm my sorry. dream was in the attic of that of a house. I don't know if it's the same house. And I do. I don't remember bits and pieces. My memory is going crazy nowadays um but i remember looking at a box in the attic and there was someone with me like your story and i do remember somebody saying uh let's go she'll be back soon or something along those lines i do remember that part very clearly and then we had to leave and so it was a very uneasy was feeling, the, but... What else was in the room? I just remember an empty room, and there was a big box, like a wooden box in there. And did you open it? No, we didn't get to open it, because we had to leave, because she'll be back soon. Hmm. But I've I only wonder... had the dream maybe twice. I have it probably... Um, I used to have it more often when I was a kid. But um, now, as an adult, I dream it probably once or twice a year, still to this day. I need to get him to see if he can let me know, like, where it was. And I'll go myself. I, I would go, at very least, I peek go in the you. windows and see we'll if it looks like the same house. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. 
Me and him got a couple um, strange stories. I got one I'm going to tell on Halloween. My mama will kill me if she finds out because she gets real mad when I tell this story because she is like it didn't happen, but it 100% happened. And then we've had some stuff come out lately. But we're going to discuss that on the Halloween episode. But uh, <laughs> Yeah. But do you have anything else you need to discuss? Oh, uh, nope. All right. Not so I today, just got no. one more thing to say. Um, cause I don't know if y'all will listen again before Halloween in case y'all get behind or whatever and listen to the Halloween episode after. I want to say it now. Um, these little pieces of candy y'all were giving out at Halloween, they are not going to make or break y'all. And I know some people got like hundreds of trick-or-treaters that come. I'm probably not so much talking about y'all, but the people that, um... This who I'm talking about. These people that have this candy and then they don't want to give this candy to older kids or even to adults that are Old out there bats. with like babies. Um, you don't know what's going on with these kids. And if they're out trick-or-treating just trying to have a good time, is that piece of candy just going to make or break you? Can you not just give somebody a piece of candy? Because truth is, if an adult came up with a kid trick-or-treating, I would offer him candy anyway. But here's my thing. I've talked about my autistic daughter on this show before. And when they were probably 11 and 12, her and Matlin, um, we went to a trunk-or-treat thing. And... You know, mentally, physically, she's 12. Mentally, she's probably six at the time. And so she loved the trick-or-treating and everything, loved candy. It was so exciting for her. And we go to this trunk-or-treat thing, and we got a little separated. And she was with Matlin. And Matlin is like a little less than a year younger than her. So they were together, they were fine, they were like 11 or 12, and we were with the younger kids, and we were just like behind them a little, and so they go up, and they're trick-or-treating at this trunk-or-treat, Matlin gets her candy, and then Kayla goes to get hers, and this old lady snatches the candy back out of Kayla's hand, and says, you're too old to be trick-or-treating, and you know, Kayla's autistic. It really shook her. And Matlin, bless her heart, was offended by it. And she gave, flung her candy back at the woman and was like, apparently you need this candy more than we do, you old bat. And, um, she grabbed Kayla and stormed off. Well, here's the thing. Like I said, Kayla was probably, she was probably six or eight mentally at this point, And she had loved Halloween. She looked forward to it every year. She spent the rest of the night crying in the car. She would not even get out of the car when we went on Halloween trick-or-treating. She would not even get out of the car. And she never trick-or-treated again. When you're refusing this kid candy, 
just kind of think that you may be ruining Halloween for a kid for the rest of their lives and you don't know this kid. You don't know that they don't have some kind of mental issue. You don't know that they don't have a rough home life. You don't know that they're just not trying to hold on for one more year to their childhood. And people always complain about kids are growing up too fast, but then these little 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds want to trick or treat and y'all want to tell them no because you don't want to give out a piece of candy. I mean, that's ridiculous. And I know people won't agree, some people, and some people will. And if you don't, that's fine. It's your money. It's your candy. I'm just saying, if somebody showed up to my door and was hungry, I'd give them a piece of candy. That's the least I could do. But, and I know some uh, people yeah. believe There's that There's no age limit on candy either. Shouldn't be. I don't care if you're grown. If you show up to my house in costume and trick-or-treat, I'm giving you candy. You can be 45 years old. I don't care. This world needs more kindness and love. This world needs something to enjoy. And if it's Halloween, then I'm sure going to help people enjoy it if I can, any way I can. I don't like that. And I know some people think that autistic kids have these um, these blue Halloween tr- buckets and so that's how you know that they've got some kind of mental you know or special needs going on but um, a lot of these kids are creatures of habit and they are not going to carry a blue bucket just because you tell them they need to they're going to pick their favorite bucket or their Mm -mm. favorite color or whatever I mean you can't tell a kid hey you have to carry this bucket use the blue bucket Thank you. You can't tell a kid you can only carry this bucket because it helps other people not be assholes. I mean, that's not fair. So, I'm just going to throw it out there, little public service announcement. Don't be an asshole. Help people enjoy Halloween. Spread a little joy and kindness. It won't kill you. That one little piece of candy ain't going to kill you. That's all I got. And so I'm ready to close because I know we went long on this one, which we knew we would. And I'm excited about the next yeah. episode. But so Me this too. week. I can't wait. We're going to share the episode with somebody that loves candy. Yeah. Visit us on social media. Share your ghost stories. Share your state stories. Whatever. And um, if y'all don't listen before Halloween, y'all have a safe, happy holiday. And have fun. Don't let the boogity boogities get you. Yeah. We'll see y'all back here on Halloween. All right. We'll miss y'all till then. Bye. Bye.